Masechet Nedarim, Daf Yod. We saw yesterday that if someone makes a, a vow using the language of Kinnidre Resha'im, that does work because um, uh, 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 evil people or uncouth people often do make vows. Whereas if one says Kinnidre Kesherim, then that will not work because kosher people, virtuous people, do not make vows. However, if one says Kinnidvat Kesherim, then that is a valid vow because virtuous people will make free will offerings that is done in a more limited way with more enthusiasm is sure to be accomplished but not nidrat kesherim that a neder the kesherim wouldn't make that's an overarching obligation on oneself and is too dangerous because you may not fulfill it, so they won't make that at all. We asked yesterday, who would be the author of this Mishnah that would make a distinction between neder and nedava, that neder you shouldn't make, a virtuous person, but a nedava one should make? It seems that it can't be to be Meir or to be Yehuda, because they had a machloket on how to explain this pasuk, better not to vow, than vow and not pay. So there was machloket. What is the best thing to do? The Bimir said, don't make a vow at all. Nothing, no kinds of vow. Whereas Biudah said, actually, the best thing is to make a vow and fulfill it. Right? That is the best thing. But if you're not sure if you can fill it, then don't make a vow, don't take the risk. But either way, they both Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Uda, neither of them make a distinction between Neder and Nedava. It sounds like according to Rabbi Meir, you shouldn't do either one at all. According to Rabbi Uda, if you're going to fulfill it, then it's good to say to do both of them. So since no one distinguishes between Neder and Nedava, who would be the author of our Mishnah? Yesterday we said, maybe it in fact is, is in fact Rabbi Meir. And when Rabbi Meir says, better not to do anything at all, that was talking about a neder. But nedava, yes, even a virtuous person should make a nedava. That was one answer. And now we're going to explain it according to the Buda. Even though he says it's good to make a, 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 a when, he, when he said it's good to make a vow, that was only talking about a nedava. But a neder, he would say, you're right, better not to take one at all. Okay, so that's our second answer here. Our Mishnah, that says, a nidvat kesherim is okay, and distinguished between neder and nedava, can even be the biuda. When the biuda said, it's good to vow and fulfill, that's only for a free will offering. But if it's going to make a vow, he did not say that, better not to make a vow at all. Alright, Hold on, in the Braita, where we quoted the opinion of the Buddha, it said better than both is someone who is noder and mekayem, someone who vows a neder and fulfills it. So he uses the language of neder. How can you say that a Buddha only said nedava and not neder if his exact language said noder? And we answer, tene nodevum kayem. Okay, change the word in the Mishnah and the Braita. That is nodevum kayem. Best is the one who gives a free will offering and fulfills it. That's the best. But when it comes to a neded, even a would not. All right, so it's a bit difficult because we have to change a word. Um, but okay, possibly. It may not be necessarily changing the word. Sometimes, you know, the word neded can mean, can mean refer to a specific type, not to all types of vows. All right. Uh, why is it why is it bad to take a neder? You know, even in, in, according to this version, uh, even according to the Biuda, best not to make a neder. Because you may come to a stumbling block. You're going to make a vow upon oneself, and then you're going to forget about it or delay it, 
and that's not going to be good. If so, a free will offering also, you might say, I want to give this free will, free will offering, and then you may, uh, you might not bring it, or you may uh, misuse the animal that you're going to bring as a, as a free will offering. You might shear it or, or put some burden on it. So uh, why, what's the difference? Is following his own opinion. Uh, we're learning here that this is this is what Hillel did. So we're learning here that Rabbi Uda followed and agreed with what Hillel did, as we saw yesterday, that a person would bring his lamb to the courtyard of the Bet Hamikdash as chulin, the regular animal. So there's no way to misuse it, and on the spot, then he would wait and say, oh, this is going to be a free will offering, and then he puts the dasamicha, and then a minute later, he will do shechita. So there's no concern that he's going to forget, it's going to get lost, he's going to misuse it, it's there, and it's easy. So a nedava is proper to do, because you know for sure that you can fulfill it. Alright, fine. Fine, that works regarding a free will offering that you're going to give as a sacrifice. Yes, you could do that right away. But in the Mishnah, it also mentioned um, that if you say Nidvat uh, Kesherim regarding a Nazir, you say Hareni, and take upon yourself Nazirut, that's also okay. But how can anyone be sure that they're going to fulfill Nazirut? This is a 30 day commitment. And uh, it's not like you're bringing it to Azara where just one minute later you're going to do it. To keep away from Tum'an, from wine for 30 days, it's very difficult. So who, why would he say that, yes, for sure that you're going to fulfill it? And the answer is, Rabbi Yudah Ta'ameh, also he follows his own opinion regarding a Nazir de Tanya. Rabbi Yudah Omer, Chassidim Arishin, Hayu Mitavin, Lavi Korban Chatat, Lavi She'en HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Mevitakala Al Yedehem. So that early generated the pious people, they would they really wanted to bring Korban Chatat. They wanted to fulfill all the mitzvot, and there's a mitzvah to bring a Korban Chatat. The problem is that they never made a sin. You only can bring a Korban Chatat if you sin by mistake. So you can't purposely sin by mistake, and uh, they would, they were, they were always careful not to sin at all. And uh, so, how could they fulfill the mitzvah of bringing a korban hatat? So they really wanted to do this. So how could, how could they? You can't just bring a free will hatat offering. It's not allowed. You can't volunteer a hatat. Um, it will be an invalid offering. So Mehayosin, what would they do? Omdim, these people remind me of people that want to fulfill every mitzvah. You know, the mitzvah of giving a wife a get, right? So should you give a wife a get just to fulfill the mitzvah and then remarry her? Um, uh, you know, that would be strange. The mitzvah is to give a get if it should be a case where the marriage is over. Okay, then is a mitzvah to give a get. So um, anyway, so they wanted to find a positive way to fulfill this mitzvah. Omdim umitna debin nezirut lamakom so they would become a nazir and devote themselves. as a nedava. I'm going to be a nazir, so that at the end, part of the con- conclusion, concluding ceremony, is that what a nazir brings a korban hatat. So here you get a chance to bring korban hatat, not by sinning or doing anything bad, but because that's part of the standard procedure. And so we're talking about these types of people who you see how, how, how righteous they were. So if they're doing it for that reason, these great righteous people, surely they would fulfill their, uh, their nazir 
um, uh, 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 obligation, and we're not worried that they're going to undo it. So this type of nedava is perfectly fine because you can be sure that they will do it. This is parallel to the opinion before of Shimon HaSadik. Yeah, we saw yesterday that uh, a pure, a pure motivated nazir is okay, like that young man who was so beautiful and he made it became a nazir in order to eschew all that materialism Shimon disagrees with Rabbi Yehuda over here, and he said the righteous people would not make themselves nazir. No, they're not going to make a nazir just to bring a chatat. The other things they could bring, if they wanted to bring an olah, they would give a free will offering, I'm going to bring myself an olah, that's permitted. They would wanted to bring a shelamim, they would give a free will shelamim, they would donate it, and they would bring it. Uh, korban toda with the four types of of, uh, of bread. When you bring korban toda, you have to bring 40 loaves with it, 10 from hametz, 10 uh, um, and the other 30 of different types of matzot, um, made out of um, made out of matzot, made of wafers, uh, deep uh, boiled. Um, so they would bring that with the four types. And you want to bring that? You can you donate it and bring. But to be a nazir, if the righteous people did not volunteer to be a nazir, because then they would be called a sinner. As the Pasuk says, that he had to bring, at the end of his, uh, he had to bring, um, a, uh, he had to bring an offering to atone for himself, right, for the sin that he did. So, therefore, since you see that a nazir is called a sinner, the righteous people would not volunteer to do that just so they could bring a korban hatat. Amada Baye, Shimon Asadik, Vribi Shimon, Vribi Lazar Kapar, Kulan Shita Ahat Hen, the Nazir Hote Have. Abaye, after reading, noting Rabbi Shimon that said this, is going to notice a pattern. Shimon Asadik, that's with the story we said yesterday, you said, I would never eat from the Asham offering of a Nazir. Nazir, you know, they do this, uh, they decide rashly to become a Nazir, and then they become a, a Tamen, and they regret that they ever were a Nazir. Their korban is not even valid uh, because they may the problem. Uh, usually, they're not even a good nazir. So Shimon and Sasadik, he was against people calling making themselves a nazir. He thought it was a negative. Rabbi Shimon, we just saw Rabbi Elazar ben Akapar. We're about to see they all agreed with one thing: that nazir is called a sinner. Shimon Sadiq Rabbi Shimon Hadamaran. We just saw Shimon Sadiq yesterday, and Rabbi Shimon we saw right here. Rabbi Elazar ben Elazar Akapar berabi detanya. Rabbi Elazar Akapar. So this is the Pasuk, here it is in Sefer uh, B'Midbar, that uh, if, uh, if the person, if a Nazir becomes Tameh, so he has to wait seven days, and on the eighth day he brings a Korban, and then he brings one, the Hatat, and he makes atonement from what he sent on the person. Uh, so what is this? Al-Hanafish. Who, who is he making uh, an atonement for? 
He sinned against himself that he caused him he made himself suffer by not drinking wine, and that's a negative. You might think it's a good thing to have abstinence, but no, that's not the Torah's way. Um, you're not allowed to eat that which is forbidden to you, but that which is permitted to you. Hashem gave it to you. It's a great blessing. You know, you go to your grandmother's house and you say, no, I'm uh, abstaining. I'm not going to eat. She'll be very upset. I made all this food for you. I gave you this blessing, right? That Then you have to enjoy it. So everything that Hashem forbade is forbidden, but those things that Hashem gave us as a blessing, that's wonderful to enjoy. Say a beracha on it. Use it. Kedushify it. Say have it on. Have it on Shabbat. Have a nice onik Shabbat. All wonderful things. And uh, therefore, the person who maybe because he was in such a bad state, he's an alcoholic. He can't control himself, and he has to. Maybe he has to do it. So there could be cases where one has to go to an extreme. But that's not an ideal. It's not um, for overall a positive. And we learn from this Akava Chomer. Look, a nazir who prevents himself only from one thing just from wine he's called a sinner what about people who take upon themselves even greater abstination and uh, f- someone who who uh, who fasts a lot not a, not just on the required fast days but he takes himself upon himself more fast days that person is considered a sinner right he's not helping anyone by making himself fast you want to be extra pious go and you know do more chesed do good things um, fasting just to uh, make yourself suffer that's a way of other religions do that, but as um, according to these opinions, that person is called a sinner. Hold on, that pasuk we object um, that you're quoting here. That's talking about a nazir who may who became tameh. That guy is a sinner because he took upon himself an obligation not to be Tameh for 30 days. He wasn't so careful. He became Tameh. That's his sin. Maybe that's what it's talking about. But a Nazir that who fulfills his 30 days without incident, that maybe that person would not be a Choteh. How can you learn from the Nazir who's interrupted to a Nazir who fulfills? Mishum Deshana No. This guy is called a Nazir, this, this one who becomes Tameh is called a sinner because he repeated his sin. He did bad enough that he became a Nazir in the first place. Now he didn't even fulfill that and he's going to start all over again and have to be a Nazir again. So um, this Pasuk is not, to, not coming to say that he only he is a Nazir, only he is a sinner because he interrupted and became Tameh. He was already a sinner and now he's a double sinner for, um, for now having to be a Nazir twice. All right, so fascinating discussion, and now we get to the next Mishnah. This is going to go all the way back to the opening Mishnah. We talked about Kinuyim, uh, which are nicknames or uh, synonyms, other things that people would say, substitute names. Instead of saying a full word that they were afraid to say, these words were like scary, Um, they would say these substitute names, but they are applicable. If someone says them, it is a valid vow. So here's the examples of what these kinuyim are. Haomer lechavero, or or not lechavero, depending on what kind of vow he's making. Konam, konah, konas, hare elu kinuyim lekorban. The standard formula for making something prohibited is you say, this bread is prohibited 
like a korban, could be prohibited to me if he's making it by himself, or if he wants to make his bread pro- pro- prohibited to someone else, right? This bread is prohibited like a korban to you. So now this does not make it, make it a korban. It does not become holy in that sense that you have to give it to the Bet HaMikdash, but rather it becomes prohibited just as a korban, an animal, once it's sanctified, until you sprinkle the blood, it's prohibited. So too, I'm using that power, that idea of a korban, and transferring it to a vow. That's a full language of a vow if you use the word korban. But people would prevent themselves from saying the full word korban and uh, instead use other words like uh, if someone says heck instead of hell. And it means the same thing, but uh, it's still it's not, not such a strong, not such an offensive language. Uh, so too, people would replace korban with konam, konach, or konas. You see that they all kind of sound somewhat similar, not really, to the word korban. The Gemara is going to discuss, you know, are these just variations of korban? Or maybe they come from other languages that other people would use to say these types of things. And so that's why they are uh, prohibited. Okay, that's category one. Next one, cherek, cherek, cheref, hare elu, kinuyin lecherem. Now the word cherem functions in a similar way to korban. One could say this item is cherem, and officially that would mean you actually have to donate it to the Bet HaMikdash. And if the context is clear that that's what he means, then he may actually have to donate that, that item to the Bet HaMikdash, like if he makes it a korban. But one can also use the word cherem to make a prohibition, right? This bread is going to be prohibited to you as a cherem, then that would work the same as the korban of making a vow of prohibition against myself or against others. So these are other words, cherek, cherek, cheref, other words that sound like cherem. You'll notice that um, uh, these words are actually very negative words. Uh, um, cheref is like a curse, cherek, something that creaks. These are these are pretty negative words. I think the Mishnah, not I think, um, uh, the, the, the book, the soul of the Mishnah by Yaakov Nagen uh, suggests that these words are purposely negative types of words, paziach, uh, uh, unsettled, uh, because it's it's showing that vows in general are a negative thing, and uh, they're, they're, thereby uh, using negative uh, words with the negative associations to be the replacements of vows. So this adds to the idea that, like we saw in the previous Mishnah, evil people do this. This is low low life, low level language. Uh, that are used for vows, try to st- keep away from these. All right, so um, uh, those are cherem. Nazik, naziach, paziach, hare elu kinuyim, linezirut. If someone says uh, these words, and this was all like a nazir, uh, officially you'd say hare hareni nazir, but if you didn't want to say that word, the substitute words would be like these, it's the same nun zayin, but you replace the resh with the kof, with the chet, or even more different paziach, this is a negative, like pachas kamayim. You have to switch around the letters. But okay, so these are uh, folk uh, um, substitutes. Shibuta shikuka noder bemohi hare elukinuim lishvua. Instead of saying a full word shivua, people would say shivuta. Um, uh, or shikuka. These you know similar to the way we we would say shakai instead of saying Hashem's name shin yod. Um, so we we would use substitutes not to say Hashem's name. So so too these became holy words because they create 
a real obligation. Um, so that's those two. Now, mohi does not sound like a shivua at all. Uh, one suggestion is that from Rambam, says that this is actually derives from Aramaic mumata, which is the Aramaic way of saying a, a vow. So this is a, a substitute for that Aramaic word. And the Gemara will discuss that further as well. Itemar kinuyin. Rabbi Yochanan Amar Leshon Umoten. Rabbi Shimon Ben Nakish Amar Leshon Shebadu Lehem Chachamim Liyod Noder Bo. Vechen Omer Bachodesh Asher Bada Milibo. What is the origin of these funny nickname words? Rabbi Yochanan says these are from languages of the nations. They could be from other other languages that since people vow in those other languages, Jews hear them and then they copy them and use them also. Or they could be based on the Hebrew terms. A lot of them, a lot of these seems to seem to be variations of Hebrew words. And the Lashonomot means that the common people would uh, would substitute and would uh, change the change the uh, pronunciation. It could be also non-Jews who are borrowing Hebrew words, uh, which uh, that would actually often happen. We find in magic bowls, for example, that people would write like kind of amulets, that Jews and non-Jews would quote many different languages because they wanted to include any formula that might work. Um, so non-Jews would quote Hebrew and Aramaic formulas, but they would misspell everything and misunderstand because it wasn't their language. Um, so this very often happened on the streets this is, um, you know, real, you know, the reality of the situation. So Rabbi Yochanan says, all these words come from the streets, from regular people, Jews, non-Jews, interacting and coming up with these words. Although everyone understood that these words mean what they mean, that they're of language of vow, and that's why they are effective. Whereas the Bishman ben Akish says, no, these are words that the rabbis created. Uh, they made them up so that a person should use them and not use the official language, which is kind of scary. So the rabbis actually suggested that people should do that. Now this Lashon Shebadu, the Gemara is noting, what does the word Badu mean? Well, we see in Yed of Am, made up a new holiday. Uh, in a month that, that he made up on his own. And so this is a problem that he just made up a new holiday in a new month. So, but the, we are used, closing his pasuk to know what the word bada means. This is uh, curious. Did the Bishamon ben Nakish say this himself? He says, Lashon Shebadu, to explain the word that he just said. He quotes a pasuk. That is unusual. It seems that this this is Fechenu Amir is probably added in later, maybe by somebody that wasn't sure. What do you mean Shebadu? What does that mean, Badu, that to make up something up? Oh, here it is in the in the in the Pasuk that has the same meaning. All right, so that's the machloket between Rabbi Yochanan that says these are real common words that people made did used on their own, um, and uh, the rabbis are just deciding which of these words are valid, which of them are not valid, um, because this might be hundreds of words, and just because one guy uses it doesn't make it valid. Whereas uh, Resh Lakish says, no, these are words that the rabbis actually introduced to keep people far away from the official words. All right, according to Desh Lakish, why did the rabbis make up other other nicknames? Because they don't want people to say the real word, korban. So, why not? So say korban, right? This thing will be prohibited to me like a korban. What's wrong with saying that? It's not Hashem's name. Because people will end up not saying only korban. They're going to say this thing will be prohibited like a korban to Hashem and they will say Hashem's actual name. 
And uh, that's not good. Now we ask, why not? So what? You're not taking saying it in vain. You're making a valid vow with God's name. So that's okay. Because here's what's going to happen. They're going to leave out Korban because they're going to think the main thing is La Hashem. This is prohibited. La Hashem. And now, then they're taking God's name as vain. So we don't want to do that. If instead we make a nickname and say Kunam, so no one's going to say kunam Hashem because kunam becomes a technical term on its own and because it's not korban, it's not the usual way of saying korban Hashem, which is when you make an actual sacrifice, you'd say korban Hashem, fine. Um, but if it's, once you're substituting it for kunam, which not, doesn't refer to an animal, but is only used in this sense of making a vow, then that will prevent people from saying God's name in vain. Similar teaching in the Baraita, Rabbi Shimon says, persons should not say God's name first, even when he's actually designating an animal, he should not say first La Hashem and then Ola, uh, or first La Hashem and then say, this flower will be a Mincha, first La Hashem and then make an animal a Toda or a Shilamim. Uh, and that's why the Pasuk says, Korban La Hashem. You should always say, this will be an Ola, and say Hashem's name afterwards. Why? Because if you say the Hashem's name first, then you might change your mind, get distracted, and then you're going to leave it hanging and not follow up with La Hashem Ola. And in that case, you'll say Hashem's name in vain. This animal is La Hashem, but you didn't say the rest of the sentence. That's not proper. So therefore, always say the word, the Korban word first. And then, uh, since there's no chance that you're going to uh, then say Hashem's name last, because that's it. Then you finish your sentence with Hashem's name, and then um, that prevents a person from saying Hashem's name in vain. And now we can learn from this. Look at this person who's doing something proper. His intention was to say the name of God for an actual korban, and that's permitted. And even so, the Torah says, be careful, don't say Hashem's name first, just in case you get interrupted and you won't, you don't finish the sentence. And so all the more so, if a person is not making a korban, he's making a vow, so how much, how much more so one should be careful to make to, so that he doesn't say Hashem's name in vain. And that's the reason why, according to the Shlakish, uh, they introduced these nicknames to uh, keep, keep people far from saying Hashem's name. Now that we know that machloket, we wonder, is the machloket between the Biochan and the Shakish parallel to the following machloket? Bet Shammai Omerim, Kinuye Kinuyim Asurim, Bet Hillel Omerim, Kinuye Kinuyin Mutarim. Bet Shammai says, nicknames of nicknames. Sometimes, you know, you have people that have, they have one name, they get a nickname, but then they get a nickname of the nickname. How'd you get to there? Could be far away. So Bet Shammai says, even, even substitutes of substitute words, Words, still make a valid vow, and whatever he's vowed would be prohibited. Whereas Betilel says, nicknames themselves, yes, those make a real vow. But nicknames of nicknames, substitutes of substitutes, they do not. The, valid is, uh, the vow is invalid, and whatever he says is permitted. Okay, my love. Mandamar kinuye kinuyim asurim kasabar kinuye kinuyin lashon umot kasabar kinuyin lashon umoten. Uman damar mutarim kasabar lashon shebadu lahem chachamim. So, doesn't it seem to make sense that Bet Shamai, who says substitutes of substitutes are prohibited, 
He says that because he agrees with Rabbi Yochanan that says substitutes are regular language of the nations and therefore the substitutes of substitutes are also language that people are familiar with and think that's how things develop. You develop one substitute and another group develops another substitute but they're regular language that people understand and therefore that would still be prohibited. That would explain Bet Shammai. And the, uh, the person that says that these are permitted, in other words, Bet Hilel, he would agree with Reshakish that these are the terms that the rabbis created. So the rabbis got together and they say, listen, we want some substitutes, let's use Kunam, and so on. They give a list, the official list of proper substitutes. That those are valid. But if people then take it, take off on it and make substitutes for those substitutes, those are not valid because the sages did not authorize that language. And it doesn't go by what common language is. It only goes by what the rabbi said. And therefore, only the official substitutes make a vow and not the substitutes of substitutes. So there you go. Um, it seems to match up. Now, we don't really want it to match up because that would mean that Eshakish is, uh, is attached to only Bet Shammai and disagree with Bet Hillel. And that's not comfortable. Nobody wants to be boxed into only one Tana, especially if it's only Bet Shammai. So we say, Lo de Kula Alma Kinuyin Lashon Umot Hen, Ubet Shamai Sabre, Behane Name Mishtae Umot, Ubet Hilel Sabre, Behane La Mishtae Umot. We answer that no, everyone agrees, both Betilel and Bet Shammai would agree, can agree, that the uh, substitutes are the regular language of the nations like Bribi Yochanan. Um, and, but Bet Shammai thinks that and uh, the nations also use the use those the, that language they substitute and other substitutes substitutes for substitutes that's that became normal language and therefore it's a valid vow and betilel says no the nations people do not use substitutes for substitutes there's a very few people here and there that use them but these are not common and since they're not common they do not create a valid vow all right so that's a way to make everybody agree with Rabbi Yochanan or it could be that Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel both agree with Bet Shammai, or rather Bet Shammai can explain himself according to both houses and say that both would agree that the Kinuyim are created by the sages. And so therefore, really from the letter of the law, the substitutes of substitutes should not be valid. But Bet Shammai says we should make a gezerah. We're going to prohibit the kinuyim of kinuyim because then people may come to use the kinuyim. If they make a kin, use a kinuy of kinuy and we tell them it's permitted, there's no, no, not, not uh, the vow, vow is okay, is invalid, and you're permitted to do uh, what you said, uh, then they're going to come to use the substitutes and figure it's the same thing. So we're going to make a gezerah, and that's why Bet Shammai says they're all not allowed. Bet Hidal says, no, we're not going to make a gezerah. If you use one of those substitutes of substitutes, we say invalid vow. And then if they use a substitute, we'll tell them that that one is a valid vow. You have to have uh, an official list that the rabbi said, and the other ones are okay. So these are substitutes for kunam, which are substitutes for korban. So you have korban is the original word, konam, konach, konas, are the substitutes, and these are substitutes of substitutes. How about the word cherem, this official word? What are the 
uh, substitutes of substitutes. Tane Mafsha'a Hadakim Hadakim Hadafim. Mafsha'a, the name of a sage, says it's these three words would be for uh, substitutes of substitutes for Cherem. Kinuye Kinim Denizirut, Tane Rav Yosef, Mehazakna, Menazakna, Mafichna. That would be these three words are substitutes of substitutes of Nazir. Ibayelehu, Mifhazna Mai, Mithazna. What about these three words? Would they be valid or not? So a further question, how about kinma? Is that like a like a kunam? It sounds kind of like a kunam. The problem is that kinma also sounds like cinnamon, kinemon. So, you know, if it sounds more like an actual word that we know, then it's less likely to be valid as a vow, because, you know, this will be like cinnamon, so then you didn't say anything at all. All right, we don't answer any of these questions. Someone says, so do we say that that's a, a, a language that's like konam and would make a vow, or maybe it means a chicken coop? Because it sounds like we leave that question open. We go back to our list of substitutes of substitutes for the word shivua would be these three words. Now we ask shivuel, the first one, shivuel ben mashma. That's actually an actual name. It appears in Divinayamim. So anything that's an actual other word cannot be. Oh, uh, it cannot be the sound of a vow because that's just a regular word. It's a name. It's something that we will associate more with this name than with a vow. Ela shebuvael. So change it. Change the question. Not shebuvael. That we know. But shebuvael, shebuti el, shikuka el mahu. Amar shemuel. Amar ashibta lo amar kelum kelum. Ashkika lo amar kelum. Karish karinsha lo amar kelum. Okay, we don't answer the first set, but Shemuel does say that. And if you say these three words, that is nothing. Uh, this, uh, even though it's somewhat similar to Konam, it's too far away. They are not valid. Finally, Nadar uh, hare elu kinuyim. We the Mishnah mentioned this word mohi. Which uh, seems to be in, uh, uh, based on the Aramaic Momata. Tanya Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel Haomer bemohi lo amar kelum. So Rashbag says no, mohi. That's not a not not a, not a substitute. It's not even a substitute of a substitute. If you say this is prohibited bemohi, it's allowed. Bemomata de amar bemohi hare elu kinuyim lishvua. But if he says bemomata, which is the full Aramaic word that says a vow, um, so by an oath that mohi said. Mohi by itself may be a substitute for Moshe's, uh, for the word Moshe. So by a, a vow that Moshe said, in that case, it would be a vow because he is using the language of Momata it, together with this Mohi that sounds like Moshe. And uh, that, even though it's, it doesn't make so much sense and is not an original formula, but it is a substitute formula. And by saying that formula, one would create a, an effective vow. Baruch Adonai Amen